I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Mini Break. Your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, July 7th. It's the next-gen ATP and Novak Djokovic remaining in men's singles at the 2021 Wimbledon. Djokovic threw in straight sets as expected. The rest of the day's action, a healthy amount of drama for all of us tennis fans to enjoy. You start with the upset of the day. Hubie Hercots, your 2021 Miami Masters champion. He reaches his first Grand Slam semifinal of his career, knocking off Roger Federer, not in five sets, not in four sets. No, folks, a straight set victory that included a third set bagel. Of course, you also had Matteo Berrettini advancing to his first Wimbledon semifinal, Denis Shapovalov, his first career slam semifinal, first at Wimbledon, obviously, as well. A fantastic day of tennis for all of us to enjoy. Of course, tomorrow we've got the women's semifinals as well. Barty and Kerber, Sabalenka and Pliskova. Talked about it a little bit yesterday, but want to preview those matches a little bit more extensively today. And joining me on the show to do just that, you know him. That's our do everything here at Cracked Rackets, the forefather of the forehand slice, only undefeated coach in Missouri State High School history. And I'll say it, the fastest rising coach in the college ranks, it's James Foster McDonald. Jamie, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, Not too bad. Disappointed uh, at a couple things, but again, we'll certainly get there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to well, I actually think I know the thing you're most disappointed is that you're going to say you're right, but... But even the the you know the three words before the but I think are the things you're least looking forward to saying. Um, no, it was it was a good day of tennis, right? I mean, we talked about this yesterday. All straight set matches in the women's quarterfinals, and we were hoping we were going to get a little bit of drama here on the men's side. Certainly, we forecasted as much. I think it delivered on our projections. I think we got—this felt like a quarterfinal round is what I'm trying to say. The quality of play, the intensity of the drama. Sometimes you don't get that quarterfinal feel. Sometimes it just feels like the pathway for a Djokovic and a Dahl, a Federer, particularly on the men's side, is inevitable. Outside of the Djokovic match, the rest were toss-ups. I'm honestly, actually, except for maybe the Federer match, that wasn't really a toss-up. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know about toss-up. I mean, Berrettini did did well in his. I mean, you would call the Shapovalov and Hatchinov one a toss-up to some degree, but if you look, at, I mean, again, we'll get into the numbers, but you look at all the Shapovalov opportunities he had, you, you felt like he was going to pull that one out, despite the fact that he was down in that match two sets to one. I mean, look. Yeah, that one I would call a toss up. But yeah, the others, I mean, I would love I would have loved to say that Federer made it a toss up, but it wasn't. It wasn't even close. So that's where it is. Uh but no, you're you're right. It was a fun day of quarterfinal action, even though uh some of the matches went a bit quicker than we may have expected. 
Mm-hmm. No, again, and we will talk about all of those quarterfinal matches here on today's podcast. Of course, before we do, I have to remind all of you listeners that the reason we're able to do these podcasts day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point. It's summertime. Update your equipment, new strings, new rackets, new grips, socks, shoes, shirts, shorts, all of that equipment, the best prices available with our friends at Tennis Point, you use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Tennis-point.com, the symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. With that in mind, Jamie, let's break down day nine of this 2021 Wimbledon. Let's go bottom to top of this draw, and I think the place we have to start is the upset. Hubie Hercots, three-set victory, straight sets over Federer. He ends up winning this match, 6-3, 7-6, 6-6, We already said it, but let's be honest here, convincing, dominant fashion, and the, the moment of the match you'll turn to if you're a Federer fan, there are probably two of them. A, it's the fact that he was up a break, 4-1, in that second set. It felt like he had finally wrestled away control, got that early break of serve in set number two, came out firing, and, you know, even early in the first set, his first serve numbers were fine. It was everything else he was struggling with, but it felt like, okay, he got the one break. If he can just land enough first serves, maybe he coasts from here. Of course, Hercots gets that break back, and then we we get to the tiebreaker and the highlight you're going to see on Sports Center when they show these rare clips because a Federer loss is something they show on Sports Center. The highlight you're going to see repeatedly floating around is in the tiebreaker when, you know, Hercots hits a body at Federer's body. Uh, and rather than hit that forehand put away volley that we've seen him make at the net a million times when he gets jammed, he completely whiffs. You know, he shanks that ball into the net, and you feel like that to ball Federer makes 99 out of 100 times. In that moment, and his play in the outer thirds, and we'll get to the Hercot side of the equation because Hubie was excellent. But we have to start with Federer here because certainly his pathway, his ch- uh, chase for Grand Slam number 21, a storyline in every major he competes in for the rest of his career, one of the three biggest storylines, it falls a little bit short here. And you know with the rise of these next geners on the other surfaces, Wimbledon, this surface has always felt like the place for him. I guess your thoughts on his performance today, Jamie, and obviously the question, you know, we are a podcast here. It's the A block of every show. Is the window shut for Federer? Yeah, so first, uh, I mean, obviously, we, we won't sugarcoat it. It wasn't a good performance from Federer. Uh, didn't pass the eye test. You do, you drop into the stats, and, and things are ugly, right? Especially when you get into, like, protecting a second serve, for example. Just not good. Just not good at all, and, and not what we're used to with Federer being able to, you know, just historically get those easy holds and apply that pressure uh, on his opponent. So just unable to do that. And again, credit to her catch because that side of the match was, was really clean in a lot of these points, but you mentioned it. The momentum swing there was ridiculous. Federer. Okay. He drops the first set. All right, fine. That second set, he comes out, gets the break instantly. You know, you start to see the scoreboard go up to two. He's like, all right, we're good. Right. Federer is sort of riding the ship. Um, and, and I think that's where it really comes to play. The her catch maturity is owning the moment and not letting Federer just front run. Um, and not letting him get away with the fact that his last name is Federer, right? Making it about the tennis and really taking it to him. And, um, you know, he took it to him, right? The third set, especially, you know, you still, 
as a Federer fan, have a little bit of hope. Like, okay, it was super tight set. Maybe there's something. Herkash didn't let off the gas. Um, obviously, Federer became a little dejected as that third set came went on, whatever. But Herkash did an, a phenomenal job of not letting this slip away from him at all. And to answer the bigger question here with Federer, I mean, I think a lot of us talked about how, ooh, that miss at 2019 Wimbledon in the finals with those two match points could that have been you know his last shot to grab a Wimbledon title I mean this makes it seem like this makes it seem like yes because if you're losing in the quarters to her catch in straights like what does that look like one year older now is it smart to ever count out Federer on grass like no at the end of the day he can come out he can do some great things he showed some good form I think he looked really good in that Nori match for example um and and I honestly thought that this match would play out pretty similarly to that Nori match uh you know Federer didn't show up quite as well and I was wrong in that sense but uh I don't know if I'm ready to say window shut but uh closing quickly and uh definitely not fun to watch Again, I promise we are going to celebrate Hubi Hercats, his advancement to the semifinal, the progressions he's made in his career, the fact that he lost six f***ing matches in a row between, you know, he won his first match of the clay court season, between then, first match of grass court season, and the start of Wimbledon. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And his level of play, his aggression, his willingness to move forward, his creativity, his mix of length and fluidity, it's everything that epitomizes the modern men's tennis game. And this is something we talked about uh, on yesterday's podcast. But, you know, again, to just put a bow on this Federer conversation, I was talking to Gil Gross, friend of the show, of course, and he made the point, well, isn't Federer a year from now better than this version of Federer? And the case he made is that he's further removed from those two surgeries he had between now and the last time we saw him on court. And he's only played 13 matches in the past 52 weeks. Let's give him another year, even if it's only sporadically, to find his legs a little bit better, get him back in his rhythm of training You know, my counterpoint, he's still top 10, number 8 in hold percentage on the ATP Tour. He's still holding over 85% of the time. You know, even though his numbers are at the lowest point of his career, they're still better than a lot of these players in the top 50. And yet, sure, quarterfinals, round of 16s, he can get there. I don't think anyone's denying that. And no one is implying, and I said this on the uh, the instant reaction to his loss, and no one is implying that he should retire the moment he can't win Grand Slams. Roger Federer is allowed to play as long as he wants, however he wants, and go out on his terms. And I think we all acknowledge he's earned that right. The question of can he win a Grand Slam is separate from that. And you look at his numbers today, he made 65% of his first serves, won 67% of his first serve points, fought off 10 of the break points he faced, but that's where you look, 10 of the break points he faced, he faced 15 break points in the match, and I know that's lopsided by set number three, but, you know, meanwhile... His return numbers are concerning, and he goes for broke a little bit more because he can't play those long physical points. He's one of four. He only had four break point chances in this match, Jamie. He converts one of them. Hercats did such a good job of applying pressure, and you could just tell Federer is not as comfortable in the outer thirds as he was even as recently as 2019, and that is a testament to those surgeries and just the closer you get to 40, the more difficult it is to hit in those outer thirds of the court. Quarterfinals? Absolutely. Roger Federer, with his serve, if he plays well, he can get to a quarterfinal of any uh, tournament he plays. Championship match, beating a Djokovic, beating the physicality of a Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, even uh, someone like a Hurkacz, 
that's a little bit more difficult for him now. And I think he's still a top 20 player. I can't say definitively he's a top 10, top 5 guy. I mean, that's fair. Again, I, this gets back to the consistency with which he's going to be on tour. I, I don't know how he's going to schedule things out because of his age and, you know, the the physical constraints he has, the surgeries, things like that. You know, he talks about it very openly, how creative he has to be. He and his team have to be with scheduling events and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think coming up short here is a little disappointing because e- even though it is a little bit, you know, still close to those surgeries – they scheduled this so that he could play, right? You know, this this was the deal. Is like, okay, we're going to focus here. He pulled out of the French to get ready for the grass for this, and and this is how it dies, right? So again, that's where it gets a little bit disappointing. But I mean, regardless, again, you mentioned it earlier. Federer, he's earned the right to do whatever he wants. And at this point, you know, you can't tell me maybe outside of Djokovic that he doesn't have a chance to win a match when he steps on a court, especially on this preferred surface. Um, it's just he didn't have it today, and so I think the consistently incredible Federer um, you know I, I don't know if we see that again and, and so that's what it takes right winning so many matches in a row to take a major I, I just I, yeah I don't know I just I don't know well, if we're gonna get that no and you know the flip side as you kind of mentioned is uh, and we've both talked about is Hubie took it to him today and let's talk about Hubie now because he's into his first Grand Slam semifinal 27 and 19 in his last 52 the big data points he wins Miami wins his first round in Monte Carlo loses six consecutive matches between that Monte Carlo first round and the start of Wimbledon you look at his draw Musetti, Giron, Bublik, Medvedev Federer. Now he's got Berrettini. That is a pathway to a Grand Slam semifinal. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It has not been, you know, I would argue Berrettini's draw, considering it was FAA's first quarterfinal, and that's the first seed he's faced on the softer side. You would not say that about Hubi Hercotz's path to the semifinal. You look for him in his match today. He wins 79% of his first serve points, 56% of his second serve points, creates 15 breakpoint chances of for himself, 15 of 23 at the net, but it felt like he was hitting volleys two thirds uh, or a third of the way into the court just to take time and space away from Federer and just did such a good job, A, with that first serve, but B, of keeping Federer on his back foot, of attacking in the biggest moments and, you know, very first service game of the match. He has chances on Roger Federer's serve to break. Doesn't do so. Does he waver? No. Breaks in Federer's second service game for 3-1. Hold serve the rest of the way to get to uh, to earn the first set. Then, you know, gets that break back in set number two and capitalized on the moment. Played aggressive in the tiebreaker. And, you know, when I wrote about Hercots and why I thought he was going to win the match yesterday, I mentioned the fact that he does have the gumption. That's the word I turned to. He plays big in the biggest moments. And his variety makes you uncomfortable. Once you're a set and a half in, you don't know if he's going to go slow. If he's going to go short angle, if he's going to go flat down the line, if he's just going to do any of the funky shit that he can do. And Jamie, it was all on display today. Yeah, and, and the big one for me too is just the poise um, that he has had. It's just been incredible. I think, you know, for me when I started really watching him this tournament was in that Bublik match. I mean, Bublik had been playing some really good tennis, had been serving lights out. Her catch dismantles him. Three, four, and two. And I was like, okay, who be her catch is playing good tennis. But it's like, well, he's playing Bublik. You never know. It's just sort of an odd thing. Then he comes out to complete that match against Medvedev after being two sets to love or two sets to one, excuse me, down. Comes back and wins that. That's impressive stuff. Okay, now we get to Federer. Will the moment consume him? He has to go play Fed at Wimbledon on center court, this huge stage at a major. 
goes out and beats him in straights. And so to me, you know, being able to just sit in these situations and play really, really high levels of tennis while being on this stage that's maybe unfamiliar or, uh, you know, intimidating in some fashion, he just hasn't been affected by it, uh, at least that negatively. And so it's been awesome to see his tennis shine through in these really tough moments when he's just been able to overcome that and, and play really solid tennis from the back. We've talked about this before in regards to him because I believe you and I, or maybe it was me and Stokowiak, did a podcast on him in the 2019 offseason as a guy to watch heading into 2020 because he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. And plans B, C, D, and E for him, they're pretty good. The question is, what is plan A? What does the best version of him look like? Obviously, it involves landing that first serve because that allows him to get into his aggressive patterns. And, you know, my stat for you on Hubi, 11 and 10 versus top 50 opponents in the last 52 weeks, 28 and 38 for his career. But 9 and 10 against top 10 opponents, Jamie, in the last, uh, in his career, 4 and 1 in the last 52, he's a tennis chameleon. The better the opponent, the better he plays. The worse the opponent, he'll mess around a little bit more. And it's just, again, the, the further you progress in your career, and he's only 24 years old, he's still you know just entering his prime now. The more that sort of thing goes away, the more you learn to capitalize on opportunities, be more efficient on court. But I think there's no denying anymore the ceiling is there for Hoopy Hercots. And again, physically, he's the complete package. Six foot six, can hit 125, 130 power on his serve with ease, fluid around the court, proficient off of both wings. The forehand's a little bit big, but it's fine. And it does land shorter on the court than you expect. But when he has time to set his feet, he can absolutely turn into a generate pace. Backhand rock solid, can play slice, is one of the few of the next gen who you would say is an exceptional volleyer, has the feel, has the recognition of where to go, where to be. Ceiling's high for Hubie. The thing is, the floor can still be low. Like that, that is the concern, right? Is that as good as this five match win streak is, it's coming off of the back of a six match losing streak. Yeah, exactly. It's the consistency. And, and honestly, this is one of the reasons where, you know, again, in the context of this match, yeah, I, you know, I'll own it. I thought Federer was going to win this, but also on the Hercatch side, the fact that he's been able to maintain this consistent level of play, uh, especially on this stage, given the sort of runs that we've seen him have and then sort of the you know, lack thereof, right, where he's struggling matches and matches in a row, you know, to be able to compete and, and get really deep into these tournaments, you have to be on for so many sets, so many matches. And so, yeah, that's why it's been impressive, but also just a little bit surprising that he's been able to pull this off. So um, really fun stuff. But, yeah, I mean, look, he's beaten Federer in an hour 49. That's <laughs> that's good stuff regardless what you're doing it's something's working and i won't ask you to repeat what you said the moment we went and we were on the phone tonight before we started today's podcast if you want to i won't stop you but uh look it's just Hubi has the sort of power the sort of aggressiveness to put Federer on his back foot and that aggressiveness that playing on his terms is just a trait you need to have to have success in these quarterfinal matches against top 10 opponents and I just think Hoobie's a primetime performer he plays the biggest stage the better the opponent the better the Hoobie Hurricots yeah to your point it is the consistency that's what we need to see from him week in week out obviously we need to see some more clay court success as well because a guy with his physical profile it can work across surfaces it absolutely can and so uh, that being said, you know, 
talking to people in the who beef circle i have some friends around there they are they just say like again it's it's a confidence thing for him when he's feeling it he has he has that it factor where he's like i can beat federer i can you know beat berrettini tomorrow and you know we'll talk about that berrettini match momentarily but when you look for hoopy hercots now into his first grand slam semifinal i believe that brings him up to a new career high of number 11 in the live rankings for a guy who just suffered a six-match losing streak to be number 11 that speaks to that ceiling that speaks to the fact I mean when was the last time we saw a player like this wins a Masters event six in a row semifinals of a Grand Slam final thoughts on who be this match what you know where he goes from here well what you're wanting me to say is you were right about who won the match I'm I'm a very nice but, person and I will well I was gonna say I'm also a very nice person and don't point out all the terrible takes that you have and look we have I have them too but all of the ones where you've just been dead wrong on who's but we gotta celebrate won. the good ones exactly because there are no. a lot of so, bad ones so good for you uh her catch did win I I I didn't think this is how that match was gonna unfold but you called her catch now again this is where the butt comes in did you think it was going <laughs> to unfold like this no you didn't uh but no i mean look you, you picked the right name so hats off to you but uh yeah it's been super fun to watch her catch have this sort of rise and and now you know again you can't count him out at this point right like he's shown this level taking out medvedev and fed back to back like sure it comes down to the consistency it's like okay well can he do it this many matches in a row this many matches in a row but in the vacuum of one individual match you can't tell me he can't go out there and win that match just because based on the tennis we've seen from him he absolutely can i regret my how harsh i was to roger federer already just at the beginning there like again he is still uh very good but no um i mean I want us to have some fun here. It's still a podcast that we do for fun because we like to express tennis can be very fun. He got bageled, Jamie. Federer got bageled in the third set by Hoopy and like he didn't win a set. I I wrote in the article I was 99.9999999% sure he was not going to lose the match in straight sets. The point oh 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 one is if he looked like a 39-year-old. And today he looked like a 39-year-old. It's credit to Hoopy for making him look as such, but like the last time Roger Federer got bageled in a loss at tooth at, at a at a Grand Slam uh, in a Grand Slam loss, can you name the player who did it? I won't ask you to name the year, but can you name the last player to bagel him? Who bageled him and won the match? Yes. Uh, was it Djokovic? Rafael Nadal, uh, two thousand eight French Open final. But well, that like makes there were, sense, there were two right? Names. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, and now it's Hubi Hercats's day. And like, Djokovic, I think it was either Djokovic on a hard court or Nadal on a clay court. <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's like Anchich maybe did it early on in his career as well. I'll look, but now it's like Hubi Hercats as well. And all the numbers it, it points to that 2000, 2001, 2002 range. That's closer to the Roger Federer we see now than the one we saw from 2003 to 2019. But like. 16 years of Roger Federer were really unbelievable. And no one is saying he should retire. I'm done with it. If he can't win slams, what's the point? But it's just, let's be honest, right? This is what we're seeing. And again, credit to Hubi. He advances 3-6-0 over Federer. And now he's got Matteo Berrettini as Berrettini earns a four-set win over Felix Ogier-Aliassime. Jamie, I really enjoyed this match. Like, I just... There's a sound that comes off of Felix's racket. I know I say this every time we talk about him, but for a tennis purist like myself, 
That's what it's about. You he, you hear the serve. You hear him when he sets his feet and explodes through a forehand. And honest to God, when he sets his feet and explodes through a backhand, that may be the thing I like most. I'm not saying shot in, rally in. I like his backhand more than his forehand wing. But his ability to hit through the court, cross court with his backhand, there are not a lot of players who can do that. And he can. And then, of course, he does have a sense of when to move forward. And his serve, his forehand were big enough that they were exposing Barry. Martini's weakness, which is, of course, that backhand return and just getting him stretched on that side in the outer thirds, forcing him to pass off that wing. Now, Berrettini, I thought, was better and uh, all over the course of the match and ultimately was good enough on that wing to win in four, but I thought this was a good match. Like, I know, I don't know if, if I, I mean, I did, it did feel like going into the home stretch of that third set and for Matteo Berrettini, I believe it's 6-3-5-7-7-5-6-3, he earns the victory in this one. It did feel in that third set that FEA could win the match. And, like, you couldn't say that about Federer. Yeah. I mean, again, this this was a completely different uh, dynamic. I mean, it's just, yeah, again, it's as evidenced by the fact that Berrettini had to close this thing out, right? Yeah, he, he still won it uh, when he was serving for 5-3. But FAA made him close that out um, and work for it, right? And Berrettini was just simply too good in those service games. He found his rhythm off the first serve. And, you know, you listen to the commentators say it as well. You know, FAA was in it mentally. He was still, you know, pumping himself up. You know, he was still doing all the right things. Uh, Berrettini, I, he just took the racket out of his hand a little bit. Um, and look, when you talk about Berrettini and potential to take this title, make the big upset, whatever, he's just going to have to get rid of some of the roller coaster, some of the dip. Um, now, FAA did a good job of taking advantage of where that Berrettini consistency did drop a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, God, Berrettini can just hammer a first serve and, and just make you feel like – what can you do right and FAA I will say that the most the most positive thing I see out of Felix for this one is how just generally positive and in and engaged this throughout this entire match even though he was getting bludgeoned uh, when he was having to return that Berrettini serve he was still in it and started you know trying to create opportunity for himself so really positive from him and and this is a, a great run at Wimbledon obviously but Berrettini just too big off the serve and just the weaponry that that he possesses why I think FA's upside is so high is he has the upside of Berrettini on the serve, on the forehand wing, but then he's more dynamic on the backhand and not with, you know, the slice that Berrettini can hit and his ability to hit an on-the-run passing shot as a slice, as you know, forefather of the forehand slice, that's not easy to do. It's special, and he has that trait. But you look at the numbers, and I said coming into this match why it was difficult to pick FAA is because everything FAA does right now, Berrettini does a little bit better. And let's be clear, Berrettini 24, turns 25 this year, may have already. I think he actually did already turn 25. FAA turns 21 next month. You look at the numbers. Berrettini, 66% first serve percentage, FAA 59. Berrettini wins 76% of his first serve points, FAA 72. There's you know 50 to Berrettini, 51 on the second serves, but... But Berrettini played, uh, or uh, but you look at net points one. Berrettini twenty one of thirty four. FA seventeen of thirty. Break points one. Berrettini six of fourteen. FA three of twelve. Winners thirty three to FA's twenty four. I even think it speaks to the advanced aggressiveness of Berrettini. He had forty five on four stairs to FA forty one. That's just Berrettini's like, all right, I need to go for it because this rally's not going anywhere. Berrettini's serve and forehand were just a little bit better. Like, FAA had the firepower to hang, but Berrettini's just a little bit better at it right now. And again, I think that bodes really well for Felix Ogier-Aliassime moving forward. This grass court season 
was an unequivocal success. Like you look for him, he makes a final, makes a quarterfinal before or semifinal before losing in three sets to Umber. Now gets knocked off here in a tight four set match by Benteo Bertini, and he had chances in that third set to narrow the deficit to, you know, it's five all there and he plays one loose service game that involved, you know, a forehand error, an incredible on the run passing shot by Berrettini and then, you know, a couple of loose serves that just Berrettini was able to get after, loose second serves. Like it's one bad service game he got punished. Berrettini's good enough to do that. I on this surface in particular, I really like FAA moving forward and again, if if people have sold their stock on FAA, I am not one of those people selling the stock. I'm all in. I think he, I, I just see it. And I think the weakness is like, yeah, he misses too much sometimes. He's got to develop plan B, plan C, plan D. That's fine. If you're 20 years old, I need to know that your A is good enough. And the answer for Felix Ogier Aliasim is plan A is good enough. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Again, I think this match probably just comes down to Berrettini being able to completely control the court. Um, and like you said, taking advantage of the, the FAA weaknesses and just a, a couple of opportunities. That all it, that's all it takes with a guy who can serve you off a court like Matteo Berrettini, that, that it's really all it takes. And look, for the Felix side of this and the larger context of this tournament, this is a great Wimbledon for him. Um, you know, we were sort of joking. It felt like he was really on borrowed time anyway. You know, at the Kyrgios match, if Kyrgios isn't, you know, I guess out of shape in terms of the stomach muscles or having problem, whatever you want to call it, hurt, injured, and having to having to retire and not finish that match out. Felix probably isn't getting out of there alive. Kyrgios was looking really good, won the first set, I believe, 6-2. Um, but Felix stayed in, okay, takes his chances, goes to Zverev. Zverev does what Zverev does, blew a couple leads and sets, um, even got it back to a fifth. FAA remained poised, took advantage of his opportunity, got through the next round. So he did a great job of just playing what was in front of him um and look like you mentioned he had a great sort of grass court season here a lot of really really positive things to take from this but at the end of the day he he ran into the Berrettini freight train and he, t- he did well to take a set off of him um but again this is one that i think you and i were both pretty confident in where it's like Berrettini's gonna win this match he's just got the weapons for it he's so fresh physically given his draw um whereas faa cannot say the same Berrettini just had the edge going into this match, and, and he showed us why we were confident in the first place. 39-11 in his last 52 weeks, titles in Queens Club, titles in Belgrade, a final at the ATP Cup as well. He made quarterfinals in Roland Garros, meaning he and Djokovic, the only guys to make multiple quarterfinals at Grand Slams this season. He, Djokovic, Zverev, and Medvedev, the only guys to make multiple fourth rounds here this season. He, Isner, and Rayonic, the only guy to hold serve more than 90% of the time. Berrettini has an elite skill, and he executed it extraordinarily well in this match. And I swear to God, Jamie, I think this is the first time since 2018, 2017, that both of my finalists in the men's and women's side are still alive heading into the semifinals. Like, ah. Thank you, Matteo Berrettini, because he was in a lot of parlays, and he ended up coming through for us there. And again, Felix played a good match, and I'm excited to see the updated ELOs post-Wimbledon. I won't regale you with them now, Jamie. I know how much you love them. So, uh, But once they update plus uh, post-Wimbledon, I mean, what is Felix to you right now? Is he because I and honestly, uh, at first, what's Berrettini, what's Felix, and then we'll move on to the bottom half of the draw. I think 
Berrettini's unequivocal top eight, like he's going to be competing for year-end finals throughout the duration of his pro career. I think you're going to see him quarterfinals routinely. I think the semifinal final run, he's capable of doing that as well at the slams. Curious, all that that same framing where you see both he and FAA right now. I think Berrettini has proven himself at this point to be that guy uh, who comes in, you you know what you're going to get. Um, he's beating up on the people like Felix who don't have the experience. He's sort of stepping into that role where it's like, hey, yes, I'm of this younger crop, but I've been here before. Um, and so he's sort of beating in those younger ones who have not been at this stage yet. And, and that's what we saw on display today with Felix. And so I think this is great for Berrettini showing off the consistency, proving why uh, and showing us why he deserves to be here, despite having a bit of an easier uh, pathway to the quarters. Um, that doesn't matter, right? For him, this is saying, hey, yeah, I got to the quarters and, and I took care of the matches that were laid out in front of me. And now I take care of the big ones once I take on somebody who's been in really good form like an FAA. So yeah. that's where Berrettini lies for me. Felix, again, I, I think for right now, you know, I don't even need to put too many boundaries on it. I think all positive at this point. Like you said, had a great grass court swing. For me, this Wimbledon, he got even more out of uh, than what I would have called a successful Wimbledon regardless, even if he didn't make it out of that last match. So just all positives for Felix. And I think this is a really good experience for him the next time that this comes around. Um, you know, and he, he can really take advantage of being on this stage at a quarter at a major. Yeah, no, you were definitely correct. Um, multiple players. It's the three. It's that. It's the four of them have made all three fourth rounds. But to your point, and just final things, I give you two trios: Andrescu, Chapo, FAA, Berrettini, Sinner, Musetti. Which trio ends up with more slams? Uh, I I think you uh, you got to go the. Uh... I guess that the problem is you're you're already starting at a deficit if you're the Italians, but um, yeah, I feel like I feel like you go Italians there. I don't know. Is Maybe. that just a bet on Sinner? Uh, it's it's a yeah, I think so. It's the young Italian. <laughs> I think it's some faith for me. It's some faith that Berrettini will pull out a couple um, over his time, and then the really young ones, the Musetti and Sinner, will show up um and and take their place in line and and off of the canadians again that's not anything against them because i love shapovalov and felix and yeah they're both so you forget they've just been at this level that they're so good you forget how young they are um which is tough and so that makes me want to lean team canada but i think really the andrescu side i don't know if she gets another one i mean maybe she does she's certainly good enough to but what we've seen with the wta is just a rotating cast of of who can win a major so it's, it's just hard to put a lot of stock in that now if you're going 2v2 um and you throw out one of the italians then i'm much more likely to lean and say yeah felix and dennis but when you add that third one in that's that's where it gets a little funky for me does Musetti get more than one? Does he get one? Oh, dude, too or, too early for me. Say? Yeah, too early for me to even say. I, I think. It's, so in this equation, you're factoring him center. in with zero. Not zero, but I'd say maybe. Well, I just again, it, it's too early to say that. I, it's hard for me to like consider it. But in my mind, the confidence comes from the fact that Center and Berrettini, I think, will win. So one. if I just said point five for, let's just do the over unders for Musetti is probably point five right now, right? Yeah, you got to figure with that flash. You got to figure he wins one, right? I mean, he's what nineteen, twenty, thirty-one. We're talking about. I mean, the dude's know, nineteen. He'll get one. He'll get one. Yeah. All right. 
over under is the number 0.5 or is it one and a half for Berrettini? It's probably 0.5. Really? God, yeah, I'd, I'd say maybe one and a half, but yeah. It could, yeah, let's. I mean, what do you think? I'll defer to you here. One and a half or point five? Because do you really like he's got the? Where does he get his first? Where would it be? What surface? I mean, riddle I think me this. We Batman. might be seeing it. Yeah, I think it might be Wimbledon. I think we might be seeing it. I don't think that's a bad call. Like he versus Medvedev, I think he's still the favorite in that match yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it happened today, and so I agree with you. Um, all right, we'll put fine. I'm uh, no, but like. What about final form? I mean, I'm just thinking of the guys. Team, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Sinner, FAA. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough, right? I mean, I think there's no, a lot still to be – there's a lot still left to be determined in terms Here's of what the these question. guys can do, do at the final stage. Do you think he gets one for sure? Bertini? Will you be more surprised if he does or doesn't win a slam? Berrettini? Yes. Oh uh, yeah, I'll be surprised if he never wins one. I'd be very. Then shocked. it's one. And, then it's one and a half. So we're yeah. at a combined two right now. What sinner's number? Four and a half. Uh, knock it down. Go three and a half. Okay, so that's combined right there. Seven and a half. That's your number. And Drescu's mm-hmm. already at one. I think she wins either six more or she wins no more. Like it's either going to she's yeah, going to find health. She's going to have a streak a of consistency. I say two and a half. I'd, I'd go one and a half. Where I gave you the benefit on the other one, I'm taking. I'm sorry. That's fine. I'm doing this here. So sorry. Let's go two and a half total over two over under two and a half. Fair compromise. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. She's she's 21. Plenty of time. Yeah. Um. All right. So we'll say over under two and a half there. FA I have at one and a half because I will be shocked if we leave the 2030s if he doesn't. That serve, that forehand, it's just going to work. I think it should work on all three surfaces. For me, he's a one and a half guy, not a point five. Yeah, I, I would put him at one and a half, one and a half or two and a half, honestly. So I'm, I'm down I'm, for two and a half. I'm with I'm you there. Because I'm right. honestly on the on Team Canada side, you can put all of them at two and a half, and I won't argue that that too much because they've got the games to do it. No, so, so then you're at so seven that, and a half and seven and a half. <laughs> no, no. So the thing is for Shapo, he, for me, he's a half guy. And we look really? for Dennis Shapovalov, and this is how we can get into his Wimbledon match. You look for him today. He ultimately advances five-set win over Karen Hatchinov. It was a 6-4-3-6-5-7-6-1-6-4. Now, I thought Shapovalov was good today. Let me be clear about that. But it just felt like – I just – uh, like I have him, so you know this. My tier one guys, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Zverev, Sinner, FAA. If we leave this decade without each of them having one slam under their belts, I will be shocked, or it means one of them went on a run of epic proportions and won like 12 out of 14, which I just don't see happening. So I think all five of those guys are in the mix. Korda, Shapovalov, uh, I'm missing one. Uh, Berrettini, Rublev. They're in like tier two, tier – they're point five guys where it's like, yeah, it could happen. But am I going to be shocked if Andre Rublev doesn't end up with a slam? Berrettini and Rublev are closer to tier one than tier two. Same with Korda, by the way, now. 
Uh, Shapovalov, it's just like the problem is the floor. It's it's almost a Hurkats thing. The floor can be low sometimes. And I think pound for pound, he's the most explosive athlete in the men's game. Just, you know, his first step, the way the ball explodes off of both wings, how quick his hands are on the return. You would think a guy with a one-handed backhand would struggle more with the Hatchinoff first serve than Shapovalov did today. And that's not to say Karen Hatchinoff didn't have success on the first serve. He did, but you look for him in this match. You know, the, the critical game, he's up 3-2, uh, 15-40. Shapovalov serves his way out of it uh, and manages to hold. Then 4-all, 40-15, Hatchnov's up. Shapovalov connects with a first serve return deep at the feet of Hatchnov. There's just not much he can do. He misses that ball. Then it's a it's a really nice first serve return from Shapovalov. Backhand slice deep into the corner, forehand error from Hatchinov as he tried to run inside out that ball. Another connection for Shapovalov on a second serve. And then another error from Hatchinov, and that's how he gets the break. It's like, I I guess the point I'm trying to make is you just never, like, that was a good instance for Shapovalov. But then, sets two, sets three, he struggled with the power of the first serve. That ball got into the body, and Hatchinov's forehand was landing. And, you know, sometimes Shapovalov gets a little bit slap happy in those outer thirds of the court, I guess. It's just it, there's a lot of vacillation for Denis Shapovalov, and he's athletic enough to pull it off right now in his career over the course of seven matches. But as all of these next geners get better, I just like the consistency more of some of those tier one guys. Yeah, let me say this: I, I'll be very surprised if Shapovalov doesn't win a U.S. Open. That seems like the perfect event for him to win. Interesting. He's it, that's it, a good take. I like that. Take. I, I will be incredibly shocked if he never wins a U.S. Open. It, the it's same the way perfect... Medvedev's guaranteed to win in Australia. Like book that right now. Yeah, I just I, and and I would say maybe there's less confidence. Maybe it's it's a more sort of like specific and out there take just because we haven't seen like a you know Shapovalov hasn't made the finals of the u.s open that's not what's you know making me think about this but just all the elements are there for him that's going to be a crowd that's going to get behind him he loves that sort of energy the surface we know what he can do if he's playing the good tennis sure right now i mean we, we also i mean the dude's what 22 now he's gonna have his dips that's fine it is what it is. We saw some of those today. Ultimately, he was able to right the ship and get it done. Let's talk about Hatchinov as well. Hatchinov is a guy who plays up and down to levels. You, you, you talk about that with her catch. Hatchinov has been the king of that for a while now, where he goes to five set with incredible players who have been playing incredibly well throughout Wimbledon, like Chapovalov. He'll also go to five sets with people he has no business going to five sets with and then tiring himself out for a third-round match in a major. like that. That's just what Karen Hatchinov has done. And so, no, he played great tennis today. Really fun, entertaining to watch. I mean, I think we just have to say this. Well, I mean, the Berrettini FAA match was really entertaining. Um, this one, I think, sort of kept you on the edge of your seat there. Um, Shapovalov did a great job. Hatchinov, you know, just folds a little bit in the later stages of this match. But, man, it went back and forth for a long time. They were doing a good job of putting pressure on one another. It was good tennis. It was fun to watch. Um, but I still really never thought, like, Hatchinov, I, I, I was surprised when he was up two sets to one because I thought Shapovalov was going to go out there and smack him around. Um, so good to see Shapovalov eventually get across the finish line, figure things out a little bit. Um, but, you know, now he's got a real test. <laughs> I hate to keep harping on this point because I've mentioned it repeatedly, but Hercots, Berrettini, FAA is quietly six foot four, Hatchinov. 
These guys are physical freaks, Jamie. And you look at the guys who aren't 6'4", who are having success. Team, Shapovalov, Rublev, Sinner. Those guys are physical freaks as well, and their contact points just have never been replicated, the explosion in tennis history. But to see Karen Hatchinov go 10-8 in the fifth set two days ago, and just there's not an ounce of fatigue in him. Like, he was fine. He could have kept going had he been able to hold serve in that match. I, I mean, the fourth set was a bit of a tank job, but... He was fine entering that fifth set. And just, again, when you're 6'4 to 6'6, you can generate 120 to 135 mile per hour pace on your serve with ease. And when Karen Hatchinov had clean looks at his forehands, and again, the credit to Shapovalov, and again, why I mentioned how quick his hands are on the return, he was able to absorb, redirect that pace, even add some sometimes on his return far quicker and better than I think Hatchinov anticipated. And that led to rushed forehands because that forehand backswing wing is big for him and it will lead to shanks on that wing but Hatchinov did have success hitting that big serve getting into first forehands moving forward to the net and you know again was able to hold serve hold the course throughout the majority of this match now it's credit Shapovalov did a really good job of finding that Hatchinov backhand and Hatchinov's footwork was a little bit lazy to that wing did a lot of reaching not a lot of small steps but look Shapovalov one-handed backhand doesn't get overwhelmed by pace on that side because of how strong, how athletic he is. He hit. Oh, that's what it was. It was. It wasn't a. It wasn't a rocket reserve. The the game he breaks for four or the game he holds. Excuse me, down fifteen forty uh, two three. He hits this on the run forehand outside the court flip shot passing shot winner cross court short angle that you're just like how do you have the strength and the finesse to hit that and he's able to do it. And it's just like there are moments for Shapo when he's incredible. There are moments when he's not. This Hatchinov match, I think you saw a little bit of both, but obviously far more of the good than the bad. And now he's through to his first major semifinal and like, what, still 22 years old? He's really freaking good. He's definitely in the mix. 100%. 100%. And I think, again, I would have liked to see this match be a little bit more convincing um, you know, for him to come through and say, hey, yeah, I'm the man right now. I'm going to win this match. But Hatchinov came out and played really, really good tennis. And Hatchinov, you know, it's fun for him to see. It's fun for me, I guess I should say, to see him sort of outlast the other two Russians who he's sort of been eclipsed by in the last couple of years. Because remember when we talked about this trio of Russians, there was a lot of jockeying for who was going to be best, who was going to be best. And from what we've seen in the last couple of years, everyone's like, okay, well, Hatchinov's three. Um, and that's just sort of how things have fallen. So got to feel good for him here to get to the quarterfinal where, you know, neither of those other two got. And at face value, if you t- if you tell Karen Hatchinov, hey, man, you made the quarters of Wimbledon and you lose in a tight five setter. That's good. That's really good for Karen Hatchinov. And so, you know, you don't want to take away from that at all. But yeah, on the Shapovalov side, went out there, earned this match. I'm sure, you know, Hatchinov is kicking himself for a couple opportunities, especially, you know, when you look at it being up the, you know, the two sets to one, really just kind of giving that fourth set away. Um, it's tough, but again, I think the better player won. Shapovalov created the opportunities for himself. And I think Shapovalov has been the better player throughout these two weeks. So for me, this this feels like the right result. Honestly, I would have expected Shapovalov in three, maybe four, but the fact that Hatchinov stretches it to five with his weapons, not a crazy shock. Uh, but at this point, yeah, it's, it's fun to see Shapovalov into that semi and, and on this stage. 
And I didn't mean to, again, rain on the parade. He makes 63% of his first serves, wins 86% of his first serve points. That's an elite number that speaks to, again, how quick Twitch. It sounds like a slingshot, a cannon going off when he hits that serve, and it's just so easy for him. He's got that rubber arm, right? And, you know, wins 63% of his second serve as well, did a good job of finding the Hatchinov backhand, whether it's into the slider, into the body, or just slider T on the do side, slider out wide on the ad, mixing up his serve spots. Of course, again, the number that epitomizes the high ceiling, low floor, 17 aces against 10 double faults. If I would have said he had seven aces against no double faults, I think that number is less outstanding than the 17 to 10. And I know that's, you know, not exactly translatable, but it just speaks to his aggression. He plays on his terms and you have to love that. Now, again, this was a win for Karen Hatchinoff. He This this Wimbledon was as well as he's played probably this entire 2021 season, but Shapovalov has made the most of his opportunities in this event, and now he gets the test of all tests, right, against Novak Djokovic. And just to finish the conversation, because I suppose we never did, I still think he's a .5 guy, and so for me, let's say F.A. is 2.5, that's 3. By the way, Bianca, we say she's 3.5, that's 6.5. They're technically, I suppose, just below that sinner that Italian group, so I suppose by proxy, give me the Italians. But you're, you're in a good place. Three, you're giving Andrescu three and a half now. I thought we said two and a half. Oh, I thought we said two and a half more. Oh, gotcha. And so that's what I was saying. Two and a half more. So plus the one she's got now. So that would be three and a half total. So again, either way, they're lower. Um, yep. And yeah, again, those are two countries to watch over this next decade. But again, for Dennis Shapovalov, six four three six five seven six one six four. He bounced back. Was just in control in that fifth set. And now the test of all tests. He is going to take on Novak Djokovic. Djokovic, a straight set winner in this match against Fuchovic, goes up five love in the first set. And you know, then he's like, "Wait, are people not watching me? Like, are people tuned into the Shapovalov Hatchinov match? That's unacceptable." And so he lets Fuchovic wins three games everyone then you know is obliged to tune over Djokovic closes out the set he's like I got you all and then you look for Djokovic the rest of the way he moves through comfortably 6-3 6-4 6-4 now again Fucevic played excellent this tournament and making the quarterfinals here at this slam first time that means the world to him his career back inside the top 40 where let's be honest he belongs you can always pencil in Marton Fucevic if he's unseated to upset whatever seed he comes across first at a grand slam but it's laughable how good Djokovic is Jamie I mean he just makes these sort of matches look routine and again Nadal is not playing. He's conserving his body. Murray has two new hips. Federer is a little bit older, so I don't like to compare what he's doing right now with Djokovic. And yet, through it all, Novak Djokovic is still Djokovic. Your thoughts on his performance today? Yeah, that's what he does. Uh, I will say, quick <laughs> shout out uh, to myself for the friends who asked me. I uh, <laughs> those I told are the best take, shout outs. I, uh, I told them to take the over in games. Uh, it was at twenty eight and a half, and this hit at twenty nine. So I'm a genius. Uh, no, I saw Djokovic get up five zero, and I was uh, real worried there that I had given out some some real sour advice. But uh, <laughs> you, again, gotta love Djokovic giving him a few games and, and helping me and the boys out there. So appreciate it there. But uh, no, I mean, look, yeah, it's ridiculous, right? We don't need to be late labor this and, and what we've talked about with Novak and when he turns things on and yeah Fucevic did well to to maintain the competitiveness but as this match wore on it, it just became evident well not became it was already evident before the match started unfortunately but that when Djokovic was going to turn on the Jets it, this match was on his racket he did a phenomenal job serving and winning so many points on that first serve Fucevic 
look again he did he did what he could he executed at least decently um you know he didn't go out there and get blown out or anything but Djokovic is just I mean, he's just so good he's just so good all around he does not give you any free points he's going to protect his serve incredibly well he's going to pressure your serve um to the point where it just it just makes execution that much harder the targets have to shrink um, the pressure mounts mentally. is it, it, It's just so difficult to play him. And when he's in this sort of form, it, it's just not a surprise when he waltzes through a quarterfinal, 3-4-4. Four, and four. Yeah, I mean, you look for Novak Djokovic in this match. Was moving well. Backhand looked good. Was comfortable moving forward. Won 83% of his first serves. He's leading the tournament, Jamie, in points per, a percentage of points won on first serve. And I'm saying amongst all the players, not just the players left in the draw. And, you know, again... This is the adjustment that has to be made when you turn 32, 33, 34, and you're in the later stages of your career. you got to find the weapon that makes things just a little easier. And for Djokovic to go from early in his career where the serve was such a struggle and you know the double faults were such an issue, and occasionally they creep in every now and then, but mm-hmm. you know he's routinely throughout this season, you look at his numbers, he is winning more of his first serve points. He is holding at a higher rate now than he was in his prime. And of course, it's not directly comparable you can't say he's a better server and you know he's more likely to win a service game this version versus that version but he is more efficient with his serves and the improvements there are just a testament to Novak Djokovic the tennis player this match was indicative of that fact he when he was on his serve when he was playing on his terms and obviously his ability to return and neutralize serve second to none as a returner how do you beat him? Like, you tell yeah. me. It's it's the question that has never been answered. Uh, 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 how do you beat a prime Djokovic? The answer is you don't. I, I mean, fair, right? And and, it, yeah. and if, look, and this is how it goes down, right? If we are looking at that prime Djokovic, then, you know, you shake hands and so be it. Now, I do think there is something to be said matchup-wise here. Fucevic didn't have the weapons um, that some other people still remaining in this draw do to make things a little bit interesting uh, in terms of people who really can go for it and say, hey, you know what, if I go out here and try and grind Djokovic from a, you know, a solid neutral baseline setting, I'm going to lose. Now, if I go for broke and try to play the best game I can play, maybe I've got chances to sneak games, then sets, and then you talk about the match. So that is a little bit different, whereas Fucevic, just simply his game isn't built around that sort of big weaponry. There are other people like a Berrettini, even like a Shapovalov, who's you know prime hitting, even a Hercatch, what we saw him do off the serve today, who have weapons that are maybe a little bit more built for that sort of matchup against a guy who can just neutralize everything within reason and, and just win the neutral ball rally once he gets it to that point. But again, not a, not a bad showing and a great run for Fucevic here. But yeah, Djokovic just, I mean, how many times have we said it? Simply too good. Well, so that's the question now for Djokovic and Shapovalov is if you're playing Djokovic as Roger Federer's taught, you got to just be ballsy. You got to go for it. You got to yeah. play with, you know, if you yeah. miss, so be it. But you're not going to play, you're not going to be Djokovic playing not to lose. And Shapovalov does have that sort of plus power, that quantity to him. And you look for Fucevic today, if you're Shapovalov, the key takeaway Djokovic only won 47% of his first serves. Now, he made 65% of his first serve points. And again, when he makes 65% of his first serves, wins 83% of his first serve points, at the end of the match, you shake your hands, you say, that's why you're the greatest. Um, But if that first serve drops off at all, there will be chances for Shapo to attack. The question is, can he execute well enough? Can he swing and return well enough? I mean, numbers-wise, he and Fucevic pretty comparable. Obviously, Fucevic a little bit bigger, Shapovalov a little bit more powerful, which is crazy to say given the six-foot frame, six-foot-six frame Fucevic works with. And by the way, 
Is Fucevic the most jacked player on the ATP tour right now? Survey says maybe, Jamie. Survey says maybe. He's helped. Um, he's helped by the uh, the wardrobe as well. The very <laughs> the very short sleeves that cuff right at that bicep line. Definitely smaller fitting. I mean, yeah, Fucevic, great looking guy. Look, we can go down this tangent for a great looking guy. Phenomenal shape. Yeah, you love to see that. Uh, but again. Unfortunately, that couldn't intimidate Novak enough today. You hate, you hate. Yeah, it. no, I was gonna say keep this tangent. <laughs> I wasn't gonna interrupt you. Um, but no, I guess the question is for Shapovalov: Did he look good enough? Did he look powerful enough that if he executes the way he did against Hatchinov today, it will give Djokovic troubles? In what he did today, no. Uh, I mean, there there were some, there were certainly parts of today, sure. Um, but I mean, I think. And, and again, I don't think it was the best Batista Agut, so you know, take from this what you will, but the Shapovalov match against Batista Agut was super strong, and that's the sort of execution I think that you need to be able to to have a chance. Today, not quite as clean as it, but maybe it's good to get some of that out of the way, right? Because if you have perfect matches um, leading into Djokovic and things start to go a little bit awry, which inevitably they will, playing against Novak Djokovic, that can kind of freak you out a little bit. So maybe it's good to have this sort of match where he's able to steady things after not executing perfectly and still come across the finish line because you know it's not going to be perfect. You know it's not going to be the most clean performance when you come against Djokovic. It's, it's, it's just by the he's going to put that pressure on you. So maybe it's good that he has that in his back pocket now that says, hey, yeah, you know what? Bad service game, got broken, whatever. A bad set is what it is. Flip that switch and, and move on to the next one because he had to do that today against Atchinov. Yeah, no, there's two paths for him, right? There's the zero path where you fumble down the home stretch, the serve abandons you, and the pressure moments you fade. Or there's the Hercots patch where you go down swinging, you play on your terms, and at the very least, you can go out with no regrets and say, I did what I tried to do. This guy was just better than me. And again, if you're Shapovalov, you just won 80% of your first serve points. That's a number you're going to have to try and repeat. If you do... You still might lose, but at least you're going down swinging. And so uh, that is certainly a fun one. And again, it's going to be Hercots, Berrettini, uh, both first time slam final, uh, semifinalists at Wimbledon for Berrettini's second slam semifinal of his career. Chapo, first semifinal. But there is the fact that it's house money. No pressure. He's now got Novak Djokovic, who is, of course, in pursuit of a record tying 20th. Grand Slam singles title. Of course, something we are always in pursuit of here at Crack Rackets, Jamie, finding the best people to partner with, ensuring we get the best products, products we believe in, to all of our Crack Rackets listeners out there. And a product we absolutely believe in, folks, is the products being produced by our friends over at Manscaped. Now, you guys know the deal. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. They're precision-engineered tools for your family jewels second to none in the industry and in fact they just launched their fourth generation trimmer jamie the lawnmower 4.0 you heard that right the 4.0 you can join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with their below the waist grooming needs if you use our exclusive offer you can get 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping the promo code is new balls please the website is manscaped.com again new balls please manscaped.com it's not just the 4.0 a ton of different other things as well i 
I can say it as a testament. I have been wearing the boxers they sent us. They are very, very comfortable. Uh, certainly, they've got that in there. A bunch of different products as well. Again, anything and everything you need to ensure that your uh, that grooming time is your favorite time in the bathroom. New balls, please, at manscaped.com. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Again, new balls, please, at manscaped.com. Jamie, people don't believe me. I told this story on a previous podcast, uh, and I don't blame them for not believing me. But I, I mentioned it was during NCAAs. I was on the call of an individual match. I wasn't looking at my phone. I'm convinced I would have gotten here before Dalton did. But you were saying, hey, we need promo code. What do you guys want to do? And, and Dalton was the one who said, new balls, please. And, like, that was just it instantly. It's like, yep, that's the promo code. I know. Sometimes, look, it, it's not – it's not always uh, that the Dalton idea is the best one. Look, we we can say that we can say that lovingly, right? Not every single one's a gem, uh, but man, he does throw out some gems occasionally, and that that, that was certainly one of them. So that was good stuff. So I'm saying it's either a ground out to short or it is a home run, and that was like, oh, yep, you did it again, Dalton. It's like congratulations, you absolutely did it again there. And uh, yeah, uh, new balls, please manscaped.com 20% off free worldwide shipping but with that in mind just two things I want to do with you Jamie before I let you go and of course we want to get this podcast out to our listeners as soon as we can let's play a quick game quick game I haven't looked yet of guess the odds on these men's semifinals let's start with Djokovic Shapovalov now Djokovic clearly going to be a favorite do you think odds makers think he has a chance? Will they be impressed with his performance here in the slam? Or do you think Djokovic going to be over that minus 500 comfortable threshold? Certainly not minus 5,000 like he was today, but what's your number? What do you have? Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be above minus 500. I'd say give me give me minus 1,000. I think that's too high. It's a Grand Slam semifinal. I do think he is going to be a comfortable favorite. I'm going to say minus 700. Yeah, minus 720. I just feel like that's the number that comes to my head. I think Shapovalov is going to be like plus 400 range. I promise you I have not looked. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I'll put him at like what, plus 680 then to, to, to yeah, try to match the minus 1,000, something like that. Yeah, something like that. I don't want to look before I hear your Berrettini FAA number. So for me, in uh, Berrettini FAA, excuse me, Berrettini Hercots. In that one, I say Berrettini's minus 180. I think Hercats going to be in that plus like 130 to 150 range. I'll say Berrettini minus 180. Give me Berrettini minus 210. Yeah, um, that's a good number. That's a good and number. That's, that's where I feel like it's right. And then Hercats obviously just sort of mirroring the other side of that. So what do you think? Plus like uh, what did, what did, where did you put it? Uh, I put it I'll at – I'll just play four. off yours. I put it at plus like 135 to 140. Yeah, so give me her catch at plus like, I don't know, 160, 150, 160, somewhere in there. All right, your final numbers. Wow. Wow. Djokovic minus 1,400. Yeah. Shapovalov plus 700. They're just like, look, Djokovic is winning this event. Djokovic minus 400 favorite now to win the tournament. I mean – I might as well bet on Berrettini. I already have Djokovic minus 125. I'm just trying to think of what's the way we can make any money off of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll bet whoever he plays against the final will hedge a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, Djokovic minus 1,400. That feels high. Like, I feel like Chip, uh, no, I mean, after not. today's, I don't think it would. It, had he come out there and won in straights, it would have been lower. But yeah. that's what I was thinking. I was like, it, I think it, it feels minus 1,000 even a little higher it's like that it, it feels about right i mean dude djokovic is an overwhelming favorite that's just that's just where we're at 
Yeah, I mean, you have to bet 14 bucks to win one. Like, <laughs> that's no fun. Yeah, I got that one right today. Yeah, See, it's not I've fun. Improved. Um, all right, Berrettini Hercats. We were both wrong. Minus 280 to Berrettini. Hercats okay. plus 215. That is too low. Uh, that is too, like, high for Berrettini. He should not be that comfortable with the favor. Hercats can be. <sighs> well, I was closer on both, so, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, well, that's. It's because I have more faith in the underdogs. Sure, 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 sure. Well, hey, after your after your her catch pick today, I understand, but uh, that's also just your your general uh, your general demeanor toward the underdogs. So I get it. But no, I mean that that doesn't feel outrageous. Um, you know, Berrettini goes in a decent favorite there, but again, I think this is where we get to are people betting on okay, does the her catch run end versus hey, in the context of this one match, her catch can win this. Um, and, and I think it's got to be more the former based on those odds at this moment. So, again, yeah, Berrettini rightfully seems like the favorite. But, I, again, this is one where it's like you can't tell me her catch doesn't have a good shot to win this. That's, no, that's just I, where we're at. I agree with you. And I, that's why I think he should be – I think when you're over plus 200, people think you don't have that good of a shot to win it. And that's why I just think it's a little too high on his end. I'd, I'd put him like – again, I already said plus one. Th- I think it should be a little bit more narrow than that. I think – Hercots has the length and the sort of power and the decisiveness to move forward. Like when Berrettini hits that slice, Hercots is hitting a volley. And I think that's a really good thing from a matchup perspective. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see that unfolds, and that'll be something I explore on the GSP Ace of the Day. Let's quickly preview the women's semifinals. We talked about them a bit yesterday. I gave the career head-to-heads, but I'll repeat them now for all of you listeners in case you did not get the chance to check out yesterday's episode. You look for Sabalenka, 2-0 and in her career against Pliskova. Both of those wins in three sets, both of them coming in 2018. One was on the grass courts of Eastbourne, the other Cincinnati hard courts. You look for Ashley Barty, her and Angelique Kerber, 2-2. Two and two. Kerber won in 27. Uh, they split battles in 27 and 18. Only one of them, a Kerber win in Brisbane in 2017, was the only three-set match. We'll play Guess the Lions first. I've seen these ones, Jamie, so you'll be the only one guessing I've seen your them thoughts. Too, so okay, so it's Barty <laughs> minus 235, Kerber plus 190. Your thoughts on this match, who you got? Um, I, I would say this one for me puts in the zone of, I think, Barty a little bit too heavily favored here. Um, I mean, I, I still think, yeah, there's room for her to still go up and show that level, but Kerber has been really, really good. Um, and so I think especially this with the added momentum of the lead-up tournament, Kerber has displayed a very high level of tennis, and I think she's a bit more of a bit more deserving in this category. I think they're giving a little too much credit to Barty as, as, the, as the person to win this thing. And for me, I, I, I really see this match going three sets. Um, I think, again, just because of how these game styles clash, there's going to be a lot of jockeying. There's going to be a lot of, okay, opening up the playbook. What are we going to do? How are you going to approach this? There's going to be, in my opinion, there's going to be you know weird service games. There's going to be breaks. I, I just think this is a complete roller coaster. So I'm, this is certainly the one that I'm looking forward to watch. If, if I could only watch one, I'm planning to watch both. But if I could only watch one, it would certainly be this one uh, because of that fact. I, how dare you say you're not going to watch Arena Sabalenka? I didn't on say this I wasn't. Podcast. I said I was. I said. Yeah, I said if true. I had to pick one, I would pick that one. Yeah. Well, still to that statement, I say, how dare you? Um. I mean, look. I, I mentioned it before. I think you need a big weapon to beat Ashley Barty. I think making matches physical. I don't think that's the key to beating her. And you look for Barty over these last 52 weeks here. The sort of players who have been, or I should say, here in this 2021 season, for Barty, her losses 
Again, she's 33-6. and six. You throw out the loss to Lynette. Actually, Mukova, Collins, Bedosa, Sabalenka, Goff. It's a healthy mix. Uh, it is a different blend of players. I just still don't... I, I'm just sorry. Like, I know she's a lefty, backhand slice, grass court, but I just think... But I just think Barty is ready for this matchup. I do think she's gotten better and better as the tournament progressed. The only set she lost is in round one. She's yet to play her best match. The serve and the forehand, though, have gotten better for her throughout the course of every match that she's played. And you could just tell, getting through the first week, getting through the round of 16, that was what she was worried about. She was just like, let me see how my fitness level is. Let me get comfortable. Now she's in the second week. Comfortable win over Tomjanovic. Kerber's played some physical matches. And again, she's played 10 matches in like 14 days or 15 days, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm just leading Barty. I think Barty's got the biggest weapons in her serve in the forehand. And when all else is even, turn to the player with the bigger weapons. Because there really isn't a consistency disparity. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't need to get too down into this. But yeah, it's... To me, it's less about the word consistency. It's more it's more about that variety of shot. And, and like, okay, that variety that throws so many players off from Barty, I don't think has the same impact on Kerber. Now, conversely, the way that Kerber can do things on a court and attack, it's very different. Like you said, it's not blow you off the court weapon. It's taking time away, taking that ball early, being able to do those sort of things. Sure, it can still disrupt the rhythm of Barty, but I think she's going to be able to respond to it. So that's, that's why I think this match is going to be just complete jockeying, and I think it's going to have multiple, like, momentum switches i just don't i don't see either of these players running away with it um but that's just where we are no it's fair well again i've asked you've indicated but just solidify it pick score, give me kerber who you got just give me kerber Ooh. give me kerber give me kerber in three um see, give me that's kerber what i like three. to hear i think that i think is... yeah i i think she can i think she can do it uh, yeah, again, I, I won't belabor. I won't repeat everything I've said. I think Kerber can do it, um, and it's it's going to be a tough match. She comes in the underdog, but there's no reason she can't win this match. And and the things that Barty does to disrupt other people, I think Kerber is going to be able to respond to quite well. That's fair. All right. Well, then on the other side, Sabalenka Pliskova. Again, you we know the odds in this match, but you I'll, I'll repeat them here again. Pliskova minus 210. Uh, excuse me, Sabalenka minus 210. Pliskova plus 175. We can just get right into it, Jamie. Give me your pick. Uh, this one's so tough. Um, I, I think Sabalenka... 2-0. Two three-set matches. I know. I know. That's where it's tough. I Again, this is where you get burned is when you start believing in Pliskova. Uh, but, but it's ditto with Sabalenka. I know, I know. It's it's truly a battle of God. Who are you gonna who are you gonna root for here? But no, I mean, look. So if you if you run through their runs at Wimbledon, um, Sabalenka has had probably more of the ups and downs. Sure, she's had to go through some tougher players, and that win over Jabor in the quarters is really impressive. Um, whereas Pleshkova was playing one of the weaker players remaining in the field, and yeah, she got through it two and two. But again, look look at the person on the other side of the net. Whereas Sabalenka has had to go through a player like Jabor, like Rabakina, back to back matches. She also dropped a set to Bolter in the second round. I, it's tough. You know what? I'm taking the dogs. Give me Pleshkova. Why not? Love it. No, we can disagree. It's always nice to disagree, even if it's just for the story only. Um. Yeah, I'm going to take Sabalenka. Like, I, again, the moment you get comfortable with either one of these players, you begin to regret it. She hasn't looked phased by the stage, or at least certainly she didn't in the round of uh, in the quarterfinals. And, 
you know, again, it just feels like this is a simple matchup for her where it's got to play power tennis, keep ball in outer thirds. If I don't, I'm in trouble. And we saw her just be able to stay disciplined in that match in Rabakina. And Rabakina, a little bit more dynamic, I think, than Pliskova as a returner. She was able to come up and put some pressure on Sabalenka. I think it's going to be easier for her to do that than it will be for Pliskova in this one. Uh, just because I think Rabakina is a little bit better of a mover than Pliskova at this point. I'm going with Sabalenka. She was my pick to win the tournament before the tournament started. I had a Barty-Sabalenka final. I'm this close to the finish line. Double down on it now. Give me Sabalenka. But again, these are two ideal finals. I mean, I mean, you look across the board. Berrettini, Hurkacz, Shapovalov, Djokovic, Barty, Kerber, Sabalenka, Pliskova. Really, really fun final four days of this 2020 Wimbledon. Of course, if you have missed out on anything that has happened at the year's third Grand Slam, you can catch up on it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Wastoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out a shout out as well to our friends at tennis point remember tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 and last but certainly not least shout out to you james foster for joining me on tonight's podcast any final thoughts before we wrap today's show it's uh it's it's just funny to see uh and fun to see i should say a women's draw that ends with these four players in the semis it's like yeah that feels right and probably, arguably more so than the men's side. Now, yeah, you, you block out Djokovic and Berrettini there, but other players like Medvedev, like Fed, who a lot of people were penciling in to be in this round, not there. Whereas you've got the Barty, the Sabalenka, the one and two seed. You've got Pliskova, someone who makes sense, and Kerber, who's shown that she can win at this sort of thing. It just makes sense. And so it's, it's pretty refreshing to see. It's like, yeah, this semi makes sense. And even funnier to be like, yeah, more so than the men's side, honestly, because how many people had her catch in the Final Four? So that's where I stand. Yeah. No, it's all guys. Pliskova, Pachinov, the moment you pick them, they disappoint you. And well, like, this was me. the one where, yeah, no, and no one picked them. And they come through. So, shout out to that. And again, yes, we are very much looking forward to this home stretch. But with that in mind, for our wonderful co host, James Fulston McDonald, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, our friends at Manscaped, and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we tell the people? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.